the relationship between athletes and cannabis has long been decried for its perceived negative association. Thankfully, that misconception is being reshaped as athletes are now experiencing a certain form of liberation, one which has inspired them to move from the shadows and serve as advocates for the medicine that they deem so vital. These stories are worthy of greater attention and will serve to help augment the discourse around medicinal cannabis. The cannabis culture and sport deserves to be celebrated, not maligned. And these conversations will move us in that direction. Welcome to Winning with Cannabis with your host, Bill Bronner. Welcome, everyone, to Episode 8 of Winning with Cannabis. This is your host, Bill Bronner. Pleased to be joined by um, a former NFL great, Kyle Turley. Kyle spent eight successful seasons in the NFL, um, I guess most significantly with the Orleans Saints, with the Rams, and lastly with the Chiefs. Kyle's story is a remarkable one, one that uh, has been pretty well pronounced and has created many media waves uh, in the past couple of years, and, and rightfully so. It's, uh, it's a very compelling story. So happy to have the opportunity, Kyle, to speak with you um, in kind of one-on-one fashion and, and dive into it and uh, explore a little bit further. So thanks again. Great to be with you. So Kyle, I know that uh, despite the fact that you grew up, uh, I guess, initially in Utah, you probably um, identify yourself more as a kind of a California kid more than anything else. Grew up on the ocean, surfing, skateboarding, what have you. Um, curious as to kind of how that experience uh, ended up being, uh, just in terms of growing up in California, what you're into ended up leading to uh, you're just in, in football, both in the collegiate sense and then, you know, um, eventually into the uh, professional realm. Um, you know, yeah, professional football just kind of really happened for me. It was very quick. Uh, I was a board sport kid here in Southern California. I was born in Utah. I lived there until I was about six on uh, cattle ranches and farms in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and then my dad was uh, a farmer and a truck driver. So um, we moved to California when all that went south. Uh, so we went south and Ended up here in Southern California when I was about 10 years old, out in the valley, Riverside area, uh, Marino Valley is where we ended up. And uh, basically football just came, you know, natural to me. Um, I just didn't want to give up my summers for training camp and all these things that are the hard parts of football, you know, the things that make uh, the difference and why people play it and why people don't. Um, it's not that you, you, there are a lot of guys can't get out there on the field and play football. It's that they don't have, you know, the, the toughness to do it. And, uh, I, I did, I just, uh, didn't care to give up my summers cause <laughs> I was surfing, skating and, uh, had no desire to, you know, be putting on a pad and helmet, uh, helmet and pads for anybody uh, even my coaches that begged me for years to come out for the football team, I, I wasn't about to give up a, a, a couple weeks, two weeks, three weeks out of my summer uh, to go do that. Till my senior year came around, and uh, that was my last chance. And uh, from that moment on, it was uh, basically a whirlwind. Uh, I, I know you're a parent. I'm curious to think that your your views on football, obviously have have been reshaped entirely just based on your experience but i'm curious if you know from the perspective of your folks were they pretty supportive of your decision to kind of launch a career in, in football were they hesitant or indifferent no no my father was a football player he was a quarterback he got a full scholarship played in college at uh, byu um, and so football was in the background but uh just wasn't really a part of uh 
you know, our household, my parents didn't pre- press anything on us as far as sports or academics or anything. Um, you know, my father was a, you know, he's a truck driver, so he was gone a lot and not really around much. Uh, my parents got divorced when I was about 12, 13, 14. Then when it started going on and ultimately uh, divorced around 14. So those pivotal years, uh, my parents were really uh, just kind of there uh, dealing with their own problems. And we had five kids. So, you know, football was uh, another good escape that, you know, took my passion. And, um, you, know, you know, my dad, he, he encouraged me to play football. Uh, he, he, you know, always encouraged me to do things. Uh, um, but it was up to me, you know, it was up to me if I wanted to do it. That's great. It's, and it's, uh, I say, I know in, in professional sports, especially those that are team oriented, you kind of, you know, develop a family type atmosphere. You know, there's obviously plenty of turmoil and joy and kind of everything in between. So I can't help but think that being on a football team <clears throat> and leaving um, home and, and some of the instability at home, it's probably a blessing and uh, probably gave you some normalcy and allowed you to kind of create a family type environment that, uh, you know, happened both kind of on the field and off the field with, uh, with the guys you played with. <laughs> well, one would think, uh, but uh, no, quite dysfunctional um, and uh, got me arrested, uh, got coached into fights with between football guys and fraternities uh, Got arrested in college, almost lost my scholarship. Um, San Diego State was just a horrible college to go to. They charged me my entire scholarship back because I didn't go to class my senior year. I committed to football. Um, everybody always went on vacations, spring breaks, uh, you know, partying all the time. Uh, I wanted to be a first-round draft pick. I didn't want to waste my time. I, I would uh, I contemplated quitting football multiple times because of how dysfunctional the family part of that is. Uh, and, you know, being around a bunch of people who really didn't get it and, um, you know, uh, going back and getting my job that's still waiting for me. Uh, if I wanted it today, throwing luggage at LAX, so I get free air travel and go surf the world with my friends for free. So, you know, football was just something I was real passionate about. It was, uh, an unbelievable, uh, you know, undeniable passion that I had to get out. And uh, when I was a little kid, I, I wanted to play football, you know, all the time. I it just, again, my family situation, uh, parents weren't going to fork over a hundred bucks for Pop Warner, uh, all these other things growing up. And, and uh, then it just escaped me and uh, didn't get the good grades to be, you know, participating in football because I'd blow it off in the springtime, uh, you know, and then the summers and, uh, not care to get, you know, my grades up to play. And then my senior year just decided I'd let me commit to it uh, one year and see what happens. That got me to my scholarship. I went to San Diego state, uh, and, you know, quickly realized uh, everybody around that family <laughs> was dysfunctional as well. Uh, and more so than my own family. So I just committed myself, you know, I skipped spring breaks going down to Rosarito and Tijuana and all that. Um, and I stayed in the weight room, I stayed training and, uh, I became a first round draft pick top 10 and, uh, you know, went on to have an all pro career in the NFL. Uh, and the NFL itself is unbelievably dysfunctional, uh, beyond people's imagination. 
uh, was exposed to things uh, at the professional level. Um, <laughs> you know, or it's, it's just stuff I don't want my kids to ever be exposed to, which is why I've been an advocate and fighting so hard uh, for a lot of things, uh, out here to, you know, be fixed in, in these sports. Um, um, so that players are taken care of, uh, when, you know, injuries happen and other things, uh, and, and have a better chance at life afterwards, uh, because the experience I had was completely dysfunctional when it comes to the word family. Well, I, I'm, I'm glad that you, you know, obviously chose wisely and decided to forego the, the baggage handling career, Kyle. Um, evidence by I don't the, know. I, you... I, I think I should have done that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does sound tempting, um, especially yeah. the way you, you hey. phrased it, uh, kind of that, that itinerant sort of lifestyle floating from city to city with your board and your friends and your herb. Um, yeah, there's something enticing about that for sure. But, uh, you know, you're seventh overall, so clearly your, your discipline and your kind of willingness to kind of um, you know, kind of stay between the lines and, uh, you know, be determined, um, work wonders for you. Um, and, you know, you, you had obviously a, a career with, you know, highs and lows and the experience is what is it, it is what it is. Um, but, um, you know, I'd, I'd like to think for the most part, it, uh, allowed you to, to grow as a person, allowed you to, um, develop the sort of stature that you have in terms of now being a spokesperson for, um, a lot of the horrors that happen, you know, in somewhat of an invisible way uh, from the viewers, from the fans. So I want to I want to get a little bit into that because I know you've dealt with, you know, your share of emotional and, and physical issues. I know they've been well documented, Kyle, you know, from dementia to Alzheimer's to, to CTE. And, you know, all of them are, um, you know, extremely kind of hot button issues these days. And thankfully, they're finally getting the type of awareness that they so justly deserve, and that hasn't been the case. And it's your story and your willingness to share it, much like many other players um, in your situation in the last couple of years, that really br brought it to the forefront and made these issues, um, you know, just more uh, firmly fixed in the mainstream. So uh, I applaud you for those efforts. So if you don't mind, let's uh, just quickly shed some light on on kind of maybe some of the more uh, the the ugly. Uh, aspects of, of playing football, you know, the over prescription of pharmaceuticals and um, how, you know, the NFL has kind of made a profession of kind of masking the, 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 the pain and neurological damage that their players endure by drugging them. Yeah, well, that's basically what they did, you know, and they still do it today. It's unfortunate. You know, I, uh, I train kids still um, in football in the off season um, or have been and uh, over the years. And uh, some of my kids in college just, you know, uh, got full scholarships, you know, blue chip type guys, super, you know, uh, uh, capable and able to make it to the NFL, uh, you know, and, and just talented people. And they're still doing that, too. You know, kids sprained his ankle in spring football uh, that I coach got a full scholarship uh and he's playing at a major university and in spring football matters nothing matters and uh uh you should be take care of your guys and you know he sprained his ankle severely and uh what did they do uh they shot him up uh gave him a bunch of pills put him back out there spring football you know for who for what at that point um this kid's a young guy got a big future in front of him and uh they just compounded an injury and that's what the NFL does. It just continues to compound injuries 
um, you know, football in general because of the, the lack of ability that the athletes have purely. It's not because football is tough and you got to get out there. No, it is purely because of a lack of responsibility and a vested interest in athletes by universities um, to professional sports, uh, the Pop Warner, um, you know, Pop Warner has 10 to 20 kids die every year in football. Um, 10 to 20 also uh, paralyzed for life, uh, and they don't uh, have to carry a uh, catastrophic life, a catastrophic insurance policy, injury policy, um, which only is about 10, 20 grand a year. But they're not even required to uh, carry this policy. Um, the NFL is uh, governed by a collective bargaining, you know, a very poor union that we have that, uh, you know, prides itself just on the success that they've had for the top tier players. You know, I was fortunate to be one of those and saw it firsthand and then uh, injured, you know, like most mid career or towards the end there uh, and had to deal with uh, the real world of, of sports and fighting for a job, making league minimum. Uh, constantly having to be pressured to be out there, um, you know, not recovering from injuries, just taking pills, shooting it up and, and getting on it. And, um, you know, that's just the culture of football because there is no uh, security for players. There's no guaranteed contracts and uh, or lifetime medical benefits that uh, these organizations, clubs, schools, the NCAA, anybody has to be responsible for. Um, it is an egregious situation, which is why people, you know, see athletes fighting for more money in scholarships, uh, being able to get paid as a college athlete, um, and in professional sports, guys holding out, uh, for more money in their contracts, uh, in football, because we're still the only sport that doesn't have any guarantees and our, our contracts and our whole life is governed by a collective barring agreement that gives, a complete escape route for medical attention. Uh, there is no ability for a player to sue or, have, you know, put litigation against any doctor uh, or any person that's an employee of the club. And so continually you're going to, con uh, you know, continue to have trainers, doctors, these people that are in charge of these medical situations when it comes to injury, um, exploit these athletes uh, to get them back on the field as fast as possible because their interest lies with the, the, the club. You know, they have these meetings where they vet these guys out. Um, I've had friends now that, have, you know, in the, in the real world, uh, now that we're older, being in these meetings, working for some of these groups that create these associations between universities and NFL franchises uh, and medical groups. And these people are more than willing uh, they've said and uh, very clear that they will do whatever it takes to get their athletes back out on the field uh, and producing for them and that their interest is solely, uh, you know, at, at uh, the will of uh, the university AA and uh, professional football uh, owners and clubs. Appreciate the, the, the response, um, Kyle, that the picture you paint is obviously a really sobering one, but nevertheless an important one, and one that's deeply rooted in uh, some of the harsh realities that people fail to recognize. We've got to uh, briefly take a break and then I want to pick up right where we left off. Our advertisers are winners. Please check them out during this brief timeout. Trends in technology, processes and products. We cover these areas and more on the cutting edge of cannabis. 
Be informed from the latest initiators of new innovation. Learn about the latest breakthroughs and best practices in the cannabis and hemp industries. Better products, better infrastructure, and better sustainability. The Cutting Edge of Cannabis, consulted by the American Cannabis Company. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint Business and cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Dazed and infused. Join sugar industry expert Latham Woodward for a happier hour each week for a lively and often hilarious discussion on the infusion of cannabis into food, beverages, and life. Explore exciting new culinary landscape trends with fascinating friends and guests who are leading the industry into the uncharted mainstream. Discover curated menus, enhanced cocktails, and live tastings. Life's a little sweeter here on Dazed and Infused. We're back on the field of play with more Winning with Cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to Winning with Cannabis. This is Bill Bronner, your host. I'm joined by Kyle Turley, a former NFL player and uh, now a significant fixture in the cannabis world. Um, and I want to kind of pivot into that world because I know it's one that you're equally as passionate about. And in the prior conversation, you had uh, very ably described um, the kind of the, uh, how should I say that, the more unfortunate um, byproduct of football that not a lot of people are, are readily aware of. And you also touched upon kind of the pervasiveness of, of opioids. I'm curious, because I know you've been able to combat, uh, you know, the, the kind of, the quote unquote addiction that, um, you know, many players are kind of, it's kind of foisted upon players. When, when were you first introduced to medical marijuana and how, um, thus far has it, you know, kind of defined you as, as your, as a player off the field, so to speak? Um, I was first introduced to cannabis, uh, by a hall of fame player, um, in my third year of the NFL, um, I was being given pill after pill after pill to deal with all the on-field and off-field issues and rigors of uh, being a professional athlete, especially a first-round draft pick, thrown into the fire immediately, expected to perform. Um, so from stress to you know sleeplessness to all these other things, and then real-world issues and problems that start to pile on, especially you know once you get all that money and everybody coming around. Um, and he saw me struggling, you know, he saw me struggling with, uh, you know, the, again, on field issues of injury and, and struggles of, you know, the, you know, having to perform and, um, maintain all these things. And then off the field issues and personal life, 
And he said, Kyle, you need to try this because you'll finally get sleep and you'll be rested and you'll be able to uh, deal with all this, you know. And uh, and he was right. And I, I it was hesitant at first uh, because, uh, again, I was committed to the dream and um, uh, didn't want to jeopardize my career or anything. But the NFL policy uh, was uh, uh, not to my understanding. I wasn't aware of it that the NFL, uh, once I got there, I, I could have used cannabis freely as long as I passed um, uh, my drug test in the beginning of the season. They don't test for street drugs, but once a year, um, unless you get into trouble or anything like that, players only have to pass a test uh, once a year for marijuana or any street drug. You could do cocaine, you can do her heroin, you can do anything uh, after you pass that test. Um, and, um, I wasn't aware of that. Uh, you know, I thought that the same standard in college football that, you know, made everybody stay in line and, uh, you know, was going to transition over to the NFL, not the case. And so I learned that, uh, and, and realized, okay, I can have an opportunity now to try this and, and see what it can do for me. Cause I, you know, growing up in Southern California and a board sport kid, all my friends, not all of them, but a lot of them, you know, used marijuana. Uh, and I just, you know, never found it desirous to use anything, period. I didn't need it. I was a wired kid and, you know, loved life and had tons of energy. So I, I didn't, uh, you know, feel the need to use anything other than, eating and sleeping and lifting weights and um you know especially as well growing up a mormon kid uh you know it wasn't it wasn't about to lose you know everything i had uh, for uh this you know which i thought like everybody else was a drug and um you know here i was taking all these pills and all these things and they weren't doing a dang thing and then the first time I finally used cannabis and uh, uh, decided to try it, I had the best sleep of my life and the best sleep that I'd had in uh, over a year. I went on to have all pro careers, uh, uh, career years uh, following um, when, you know, I was really struggling as a player. And I, I think that, you know, these in these moments, this is, you know, because for me, this is beyond uh, just circumstantial. This is beyond just... Uh, uh, chance or anything. There's a divine, uh, energy around this. And, uh, you know, God introduced this to me. And so, you know, that stayed with me and I always knew that there was something with cannabis, um, that was something that these other drugs I was being prescribed that, you know, I got into because, uh, they numbed you up and, you know, made you high and all these other things. And it was okay to do those. And so, you know, my cannabis use was sporadic and rare compared to where it is today, where it is, you know, a daily use medicine. And uh, I don't take one pharmaceutical and I haven't for over five years since I discovered the strains that uh, do different things and what is in those and how do they work. Uh, being able to find specific strains that have destroyed, not just uh, managed, but completely cured and destroy every day uh, ailments that, uh, you know, my body is riddled with because of a, a decade long, you know, NFL career, five years in college, all these other things of putting myself as a lineman in a car crash every play. And, um, you know, the brain thing was just not explained to us. And so from all the pills, you know, the myriad of, uh, painkillers, muscle relaxers, sleep aids, um, anti-inflammatories, all these things that they just 
freely dole out still today to everybody and they get to show all their commercials that all their side effects unbelievable uh it went into psych med world where i had real neurological issues start to surface of not just you know going crazy uh being a crazy football player they can't deal with not playing football anymore um i had episodes of vertigo um that started early on in my career my rookie year they started to uh and every year uh after that they continued to increase more frequent episodes um the teams would put me in a dark room turn the air conditioner on and let me go to sleep while the team would go out to practice they'd bring me they'd come back in wake me up and i'd go to meetings uh, i wouldn't be dizzy anymore they checked me in new orleans for I had, I had documented concussions which was a rare thing back then um and they checked me because of all these episodes of vertigo that kept continuing to rise uh, for all these things, except for what my brain, they didn't want to know about it because they didn't want people to know about it and what was going on with us. Um, and then unfortunately I almost lost my life to it at the end of my career where I retired and, uh, was living in Nashville and I had, uh, uh, multiple episodes, you know, daily episodes, uh, that escalated to, uh, passing out uh, in public, uh, having seizures, being hospitalized multiple times. Um, and when I found these strains of cannabis, it, these things disappeared. I haven't had in five years, one episode of vertigo. I don't have light sensitivity off the charts where I was diagnosed with photophobia, had to wear a thousand dollar pair of glasses, like an old man. Uh, you know, I have all these things and all this evidence of pills and all this stuff of what big pharma was trying to do. And, uh, for five, over five years now, uh, I use this plant and I know which things to use and how to use it from CBD to the strains to smoke, um, the effects that they'll have. I've turned that on to multiple people. It's been consistent um, to Rick Simpson oils and the, these high concentrates that people are like, we've got it. We can't let THC get too high. You know, we, we're, we need to control this. Like, are you kidding me? THC is the killer of diseases. And that's what I discovered. Uh, just totally destroyed my neuropathy within two and a half months of being on a Rick Simpson reg oil regimen. Um, totally destroyed. I have no more foot pain. I had double plantar fasciitis, blew both of them out. I'd wear orthotics all the time. Couldn't dare walk barefoot, um, not even from my bed to the toilet. And I'm barefoot all day long, as much as I want to be now, um, and uh, pain-free except for the severe arthritis that comes along with being bone-on-bone -bone in almost every joint, you know, from multiple surgeries, scopes, and just wear and tear. So, you know, my experience in cannabis versus uh, opiates is, um, you know, God saved my life, period, because I was at a loss going to rehab centers, doctors, all of these people who I thought had this knowledge to help me. And I just I discovered that every one of them is completely out of their mind, crazy, have no understanding whatsoever of how to deal with the human body. Um, and I haven't been to a doctor in over five years. I haven't been sick in five years. I've cured multiple diseases, let alone address ailments um, that are very real that people deal with. And I've been able to turn people onto those same things and it's happening for them as well. Um, so, you know, again, my transition from opiates to cannabis was because of football, like you said, and, uh, this whole journey is quite cosmic and, 
you know, I'm, I'm here as living proof that you do not need pharmaceuticals at all, period. Clearly, your story is inspiring as it is. It uh, really reinforces the efficacy of medical cannabis. Um, your, yeah, your, your story really speaks for itself. So thanks for sharing. We got to take a, another quick pause for a commercial break, and then we'll pick up where we left off. Our advertisers are winners. Please check them out during this brief timeout. The cannabis industry is growing almost as fast as the cannabis and hemp being planted and harvested. Where, when, and how fast will the cannabis and hemp industries continue to climb? Who will be the people leading the charge into that promised land of profit? Let's pursue those answers and more with the Plant Profits. Welcome to another episode of Plant Profits. I am Bert Miller, your host. As you guys know, the purpose of this show is to introduce you to some of the most forward-thinking executives and companies in the cannabis industry. Plant Profits, only on CannabisRadio.com. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. (laughs) They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA free and lead free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. We're back on the field of play with more Winning with Cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com. So Kyle, you, you're able to, uh, you know, kind of articulate your your story and in the process kind of, you know, give us some some visibility into, um, you know, a lot of the horrors and kind of uh, difficulties that go hand in hand with, with being an NFL player and the expectations um, surrounding them. And then obviously to, uh, you know, emphasize the importance of medical marijuana and how it's allowed you to kind of rediscover life on your terms um, and in, in the most kind of wonderful ways to be able to kind of center yourself on uh, the important things of life. And I know during that journey that um, you have kind of sparked the entre- entrepreneurial side of, of things on your end. And if you don't mind, if you could Share a little bit about how you, you know, came to your uh, partnership with Shango and how that ultimately gave rise to Neuro XPF, and um, explain a little bit about that and and kind of what we can expect now and where the company is going in the future. 
Yeah. Well, um, you know, for me, uh, getting into this, I, I saw as well a, um, you know, after I had my personal experience of going around through the California medical marijuana program under prop 215, which was way better than what we have now. This is an unbelievable situation going on in California. 80% of California cities are in banned status. Um, all of this reefer madness still just spewing out of these city councils. I've been to city council meetings, um, you know, all over from Long Beach to the Valley, to the desert, uh, you know, and friends of mine are constantly in Sacramento trying to fight. And I just realized there, there's nothing that these people are, is going to change them. Uh, when it comes to legislation, all these other things, unless you put pressure on these people, um, from the outside, you know, this inside stuff has gotten us into an unbelievably ridiculous situation trying to get, you know, California where it needs to be. And we have now this unbelievably ridiculous program that is not even close to as good as what prop 215 was all these other states i've been to from minnesota that has i went and saw a 50,000 square foot cultivation facility by a group that has a, a license out there one of only a few that that they're allowing you know they're only allowed to grow uh you know certain amount of of marijuana they're only allowed to produce certain amount of products people can only have a choice of this or that you know and not no free ability to, to use this and so you know at the time when I, I had this experience you know it was at at almost the height of the reefer madness uh, i would say now it's almost comparable even it, which is ironic that we have so many states participating but the reefer madness is just off the charts still um, but I saw this, this situation going on where, you know, these reefer madness, uh, people are continuing to just prey on the stereotypical side of the industry. And, uh, I knew that the only way that we could change this conversation was if, um, you know, athletes, professionals, people in business started getting into this and exposing this and stepping out of the shadows themselves. And so, you know, I took it upon myself. I was going on down to San Diego and this place in California. We were meeting in little warehouse sheds, you know, speakeasies and all this crap that we had to do that I saw going on with this industry. And then, uh, it, it started to, started to kick in. You know, I started to record some of this, getting my friends around, putting this out on uh, social media, putting it out in, into making little shows, little clips of what I'm doing. And uh, then I decided, you know what, I can't do this alone. People just are going to continue to label me, you know, a pothead, which, uh, you know, has been the case since I over, you know, a decade or more, I've been talking about this you know, subliminally in many ways until finally just saying, you know what, I can't deny this. This saved my life. So I'm going to go full tilt on this. I'm not hiding anymore. I'm not going to speak subliminally anymore. I'm not going to try and squeeze this little, you know, nugget in here on an interview I do on a big sports show or whatever. I'm just going to go straight out and talk about this. And, and then I started realizing that the products and all these things, they needed help. They needed branding. They needed marketing. And, you know, tried to work with a few people in the industry and just couldn't make it happen. The industry is interesting of itself. And everybody thinks they got, 
you know, a multi-million dollar idea, this and that, and uh, uh, things get weird when it comes to business. And so I just decided to go on my own. Uh, after I discovered CBD personally, went up to the Emerald Cup in Northern California, in Santa Rosa, uh, was able to try a straight dab hit of uh, CBD isolate, you know, terpene isolate. This guy had a whole bar set up where he's trying to expose people um, these, you know, different extracts uh, uh, and, and cannabinoids in their purity. And I had this amazing experience with CBD. And so I just and then started learning about hemp and met the guys down in San Diego from uh, Medical Marijuana Inc., uh, uh, General Hemp. And um, they turned me on to what's going on with hemp and the opportunity hemp had. So I knew right away I had to do something with this because this can get to all 50 states um, legally and they can't stop it. And so I started my CBD company, uh, over four years ago, uh, we were originally neural armor, uh, under armor sued us when we uh, hit our first million. Um, and, uh, so we became neuro XPF, um, extreme performance fuel. Uh, we kept the neuro side of it because for me, this was about how this miraculously recovered my brain injury. I, uh, over four years now, I've been tested in the NFL concussion testing program. The first year, I was diagnosed with stage two progressive dementia. Uh, to all uh, data, by this time now, uh, and my fourth time taking this test, I should have not only been diagnosed with full-blown Alzheimer's, but not been given uh, 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 a, a new diagnosis of being recovering and having unbelievable signs of cognitive repair and improvement. I mean, these are not uh, just basic tests. These are full-blown BAP tests of six hours that I have to sit and do. And um, so, you know, from eliminating my vertigo to the light sensitivity issue to dealing with all the emotional and rage and uh, depression and all these issues that were just just bearing down on me cannabis has a resolution for that and i found it and so i had to get out there if i'm going to talk about this i've got to be about this and that turned me on to start my cbd company which is you know a massive company now and and super successful because it works and i went to the right people i didn't just source some crappy isolate here or distillate there or you know getting it from Oregon and Kentucky and, and Canada and Denver and all these. No, I went to uh, the best people I found in, that are doing this, that are making the best products so that not only can I experience the benefits of CBD, but I can expose that to everybody else and it works. It's not just me trying to sell a brand and make money. Um, and so that company's grown because of that. And then that, you know, introduced me to, you know, as my, trail went along uh, my partner Brandon Rex rode uh, with Shango and Shango's a, a full you know marijuana company uh, multi-state uh, uh, um, platform in Oregon Nevada California now we want a license in my hometown um, you know again the whole cosmic thing of this I, I, I spoke in city councils in Long Beach to uh, San Diego to uh, Riverside uh, to the desert and I end up in my hometown finally getting a license uh, to you know with Shango uh, thanks to them and their great people and knowing how to navigate that ridiculous thing uh, and doing my best to help them 
uh, as well, because, uh, you know, I didn't want to just open up a shop, uh, and, you know, try to do it. I, I wanted to make sure it lasts. I wanted to make sure that it was done by the best. And, you know, I, I concede that I'm not, I don't know everything. And so I go to find the best people that are doing this, that have been doing it for their whole life and uh, trying to expose this to the people. And, and here we are today. You know, NeuroXPF CBD is one of the top CBD brands in the market uh, for uh, a very good reason. It works um, and it is its quality or the best possible CBD that you could get. Um, and uh, Shango, which is a company that when you go, you're going to find consistency and strains. You're not going to have to deal with all this, you know, uh, oh, it's not here today. Oh, this is a medicine for people. And I partnered with uh, the greatest people in this business to make sure that I can expose that. Well, thanks for sharing such a, such a incredibly powerful story with us, Kyle. Um, you know, you cover a lot of ground in terms of, uh, you know, the calling attention to a lot of the pressing issues that occur off the field uh, in the NFL and, sharing a very kind of uplifting story about life after football. And it seemed derailed. You were able to kind of rediscover yourself through cannabis. And through cannabis, you opened up many different doors of opportunity and, in essence, revitalized yourself. And were able to create this wonderful positive chapter in your life and that of your family. So uh, kudos to you for uh, having that type of resolve and um, – yeah, really, really delighted that uh, that you're able to, um, yeah, start start it new and that things are going so successful for you. So thanks again for having you on the program and um, wish you all the best of luck. I appreciate it. It's not me. It uh, wasn't my decision. I got on my knees and I prayed to God. And if people would do that and listen to what he has to say or she or whoever the heck it is you believe in, there's an energy out there that will guide you. And uh, it brought me this plant that saved my life and saved my family. I've married for over 16 years now, and uh, we, our marriage is stronger than ever. My kids have their father, and I'm not on a train wreck. And uh, or like my father, who wasn't there, I'm constantly there and and present, not just around. And so I I, I don't I don't for it. This is God. I'm a tool in His hands, and I'm going to continue to spread His word. Period. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Kyle. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. 